Our scripture passage today is taken from Matthew chapter 5. Now, this long chapter is called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching about a particular way to live the kingdom life. Today, we're going to share a few verses of that and then hone in on one particular verse. What I would love for you to do is during this week in your devotional time, go back to Matthew chapter 5 and read these verses and reflect on how those can get lived out in your kingdom walk with Jesus. So let's begin up with uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the ones who want to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect. In some translations, render this. Be complete, therefore, as your heavenly Father is complete. Today, we're going to be talking about a most important concept in the scriptures that I think is a key component for us living a productive and joyful and meaningful Christian life. And we're going to start with a marshmallow. Way back in 1972, a fellow by the name of Walter Mitchell out at Stanford University decided to do an experiment. You see, he was wondering, he was wondering at what age do human beings begin to develop a concept of self-discipline, of restraint, of looking to do more than simply satisfy their immediate needs. And so they constructed this experiment with some marshmallows. They brought preschoolers in. Stanford University had a big preschool back in 1972. And as the children would come in one by one, the researcher would sit them at, seat them at a table and put the marshmallow in front of them. The researcher would say, now, you can eat this marshmallow any time you want. But if you wait until I come back, I will give you another marshmallow and then you will have two. Then the researcher would leave. Now, what I'd encourage you to do is go to YouTube. I haven't been able to find the original filming of that 1972 experiment, but in fact, it has been replicated numerous, numerous times. And watching these children across the years, across generations, do this experiment time and time again. It is hilarious to watch them. Some of the kids, about a third, resisted all the way through. And when the researcher came back, they got that second marshmallow. One third of those students approximately wrestled mightily. They tried their best. They would pick up the marshmallow and smell it. Some of them licked it. One or two would nibble it and put it back down. 
but one-third of them were the grab-it-now kids. Almost as soon as the researcher would leave the room, they would reach over, grab that marshmallow, pop it in their mouth, and enjoy that moment and revel in the satisfaction of that immediate appetite. Well, it was an interesting experiment for the moment, but did you know they actually track these boys and girls over an extended period of years? And they discovered some important things for all of us to acknowledge. One of those things was the grab it now kids did not develop socially or with measures of discipline in comparison to those that were able to resist successfully. And when it came time for these students to take the SAT, the grab it now kids scored on average 210 points less on their SATs than those that were able to resist. Friends, it seems like a simple concept, just resisting, having an attitude of commitment to something beyond the immediate, but even four to six-year-olds teach us it's more difficult than it looks. The scriptures talk about this over in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, and in the New Testament, Colossians 3, 23 through 25, it talks about whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, or as Colossians says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto God. Referencing that we look beyond ourselves and our immediate needs and wants. Do you remember that wonderful movie called Toy Story? It had several iterations, story one, story two, story three, story four. But always the same, Buzz Lightyear has this incredible saying. He yells at the top of his lungs to infinity and beyond. He says it with such great passion. He has this goal. He has this sense of purpose. And I think the Bible teaches us that we need to have that attitude of being an above and beyond kind of person. It's an important biblical concept. Over in Genesis chapter 24, we have the story of an above and beyond kind of person. Now, Abraham, Abraham is a very old man and he has a son, Isaac, and Isaac is is ready for marriage. It's the time of his life where he needs to take a wife. But in those days, the culture dictated that those marriages were arranged. Abraham calls in his most trusted servant, Eleazar. And he says, Eleazar, I want you to go back to my homeland. I want you to go back among my kinspeople and find a wife for Isaac. Do not fail me. Eleazar agrees to the task, and as he sets out with ten camels heavily laden with gifts and other things, I'm sure he's wondering, how in the world am I going to accomplish this task? He finally arrives in Abraham's homeland, and he stops outside a village where there is a well that's been dug by the ancestors. There Eleazar waits. He knows that at a certain time of the day, the women of the village will come out to draw water. It was both a 
common task, but also a social event where the women could have a sense of community and share conversations and hopefully support of each other. And Eleazar says a little prayer. O oh Lord, let the woman to whom I say, please give me a drink, say in response, surely, sir, and not only you, but your camels also. Having said that, Eleazar waits. Soon the women become start coming out of the village, and there is one who comes whose name is Rebecca. Uh, certainly, she is unknown to Eleazar. And the text says there in Genesis chapter 24 that she is a virgin and she is fair to look at. Noting that she is a virgin is an indication that she believed and followed the dictates of her faith journey. And she believed in saving herself until that consummation time of marriage. He calls out to her, would you give me a drink? She immediately lowers the water jar on her shoulder and says, surely, sir, not only you, but your camels as well. And she goes back and begins dipping in that well to water 10 thirsty who can drink a lot of water camels. And Eleazar knows she is an above and beyond kind of person, the suitable kind of person for Abraham's son, Isaac, above and beyond. I think we're called to be above and beyond kind of people. There in that text we read this morning, over there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, Jesus says this, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, you really need to understand this. This is a custom that we think, we think originated in ancient Persia. When a conquering people came in, those people that were conquered, were subjugated, were required to carry a soldier's pack for one mile. Forced servitude. So common was this practice in Roman times that outside villages at the one mile point, the villagers had often constructed a little stone structure, a marker, so you would know if you had been compelled to carry that pack, you could shift it on your shoulders and drop it, hopefully breaking something, but you were under no obligation beyond that point. And Jesus says, as onerous, as onerous as that is, why don't you blow their mind? And when you're coming up on that one mile marker, shift that backpack and though they think you're going to drop it, just get it a little more comfortable and say, hey, I'm up for two. You see, Jesus is talking about becoming a certain kind of person. Now, I don't think he's saying that we should tolerate injustice. I don't think that he's saying we should tolerate abuse. There are times to set boundaries and limits, of course. But I think what he's lobbying for in this verse and the other verses is to be a person with a gracious servant's heart. To go above and beyond that which is required of us. So let's have a little fun with this today. I'm going to ask you about uh, three relationships that you have.
The first is your work relationship. In this COVID world, it's been turned upside down as to how we go about doing our work. Some are still going to offices. A lot are working in the home office. Some are without work. Some have been stay-at-home moms or dads. How do you approach your work? Is it something that you do begrudgingly? Is it something that you do willingly? Is it something in which you seek to add value? If we had a scale up here, one over here, 10 over here, and by the way, if you're a student, whether you're in a physical school or a student at home, you can do this because your school is your work. If I'm on a 10, I, I try to add value. I, I, really, I really want this to be meaningful. I want to get something out of this. So I do more than the minimum. If I'm over here on the one side, if I'm a student, I'm thinking, well, this is not going to be on the test. I'm not going to mess with that. If I'm working, it's more like it's a paycheck. If I'm over here on number one, I'm going to do the minimum that's required of me. It's not in my job description. I'm not going to do that. You remember back in the Garden of Eden, God had Adam and Eve there, according to the story, and gave them meaningful work to do. I think, I think God calls us to take a step toward being an above and beyond kind of person in our work, whatever that work is. The second is our relationship with others. In fact, when I think about that, I think about our relationship with friends, our spouse if we're married, our children if we have them, our parents if we have them. What kind of person am I in those relationships? If I have that scale of one to 10, a 10 says, I try to do things with a willing heart, with that servant attitude, with a joyousness that I get to help, not that I have to do it. If I'm over here on the one side, oh my goodness, though I live there, though I sleep there, though I eat there, whatever is asked of me is more like duty and obligation. I just as soon not be asked, not be bothered at all. Now, where would you rank your, yourself on that scale of 1 to 10? Now, here's a risky thing. If you really want to know, rank yourself where you think you are in those relationships and then ask somebody with whom you're in relationship how they would rank you and then ask them, what's one step I could take in our relationship to become an above and beyond kind of person? They'll help you out with that. Well, this last one is the one I think is most important because it definitely has an impact on the other two. Because you see, it shapes our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors. And that is our relationship with the Holy One. On that scale of one to 10, if I'm an above and beyond kind of person, a 10, then I take seriously and with anticipation my relationship with God. 
I make worship a priority. If I can't be in this beautiful worship space, I will, I'll tap in and, and be there on the internet when we have those broadcasts available. I will do daily worship through my devotional time. I want to be stretched. I want to be growing. I want to be praying so that I can be in conversation with one who wants the very best for my life, even when I don't recognize it. If I'm more on the one side, Truth be told, I'm not thinking about it very much anyway. In fact, there's kind of a hesitancy that if I think too much about it, God may ask me to do something, and I don't really want to do that. Maybe it would be helpful if we take a moment and remember the graciousness, the above and beyond kind of God that we have. The God of creation who created the heavens and the earth, not only our solar system, but our universe and the expansiveness of all that stretches out before us that seems to go toward infinity. That's an above and beyond kind of God. There in the garden when Adam and Eve messed up, it was our above and beyond kind of God who came to them and even made clothing for them to cover their nakedness. And even though through the consequence of their actions, they had to leave that idyllic setting, it was God's intention and above and beyond kind of God that God is, that God gave Jesus to restore humanity and recreate in us the image of his holiness. Friends, the question is, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to come to the end of your life and look back and discover you've just kind of been slogging through? Or do you want the abundant life that Jesus says he came to give? If I want that abundant life, then it, it takes a recognition, a confession on my part that I need, I need divine intervention. I need to turn my will, my life over to Jesus. You see, there is a vertical and a horizontal axis. I live my life on the vertical axis as God as being the only audience that's really important. If I honor God, then in truth, the horizontal axis, that beyond axis, will move me beyond my own self-interest and create in me a more generous and a more gracious heart to serve others. Friends, who do you want to be? What kind of person? I pray that all of us can take a step toward living an above and beyond kind of life. Would you pray with me? Oh God, it slips away from us these days of ours, this time of ours. We get caught up in the busyness of doing this and that. We fail to pay attention to the things that matter most. And suddenly, suddenly, where have all the years gone? What's happened to our relationships with each other? What's happened to our relationship with you? Oh, God, in these moments, speak with clarity to our very souls. Who is it you call us to be? How is it you want to bless us? How is it that you want to lovingly confront us that we may be set free of the shackles that bind us and hinder us from the above and beyond life 
you want us to have. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.